Welcome to the Dwelling Podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. Our hopes is that this message inspires you and builds your faith today. Good morning. It's really an honor to share in the presence of God with you guys. I know that every time that I come here, I can bank on that I'm going to experience the presence of God. And that's not like that everywhere. What you have here is special, and I just want to name it and notice it. Um, It makes all, the presence of God is what changes things, period. And it makes all the difference in the world to come into a house that facilitates the presence of God over everything else. And so, thank you guys. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Um, Hannah and I recently moved back to Savannah in January. We were in Spain for four years, planting churches among the unreached people groups there. And it was an amazing experience, but I think what we gathered from missions is that it doesn't matter where in the world God takes you or what he calls you to in a season, it's so that you will learn more about his character and his nature and his heart. And in the process, you actually get to partner with what he's already doing in that place. We realized very quickly that we were not bringing Jesus to Spain in our suitcases. He was already there working. The Holy Spirit had gone before us. And so we have just recently moved back, but there's so many stories about God's faithfulness that happened there that I wish I could share with you. And I just don't have the time, but if you come and get me, I'll just sit down and I'll testify with you all day long about the things that he's done. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when the Israelites at the leadership of Joshua crossed the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And when they got across, it says they stacked up 12 stones so that they would look back and they could tell their children and remember the things that God had done. And all of these worship songs that we're singing this morning, this is one of the keys to partnering, partnering with God is testifying to what he's already done. It increases our faith. And so I just want to testify this morning to one story. Um, We would go out and prayer walk um, the towns surrounding our area. We lived in Granada, Spain, and Granada and the, the towns, the pueblos around Granada were, was about a million people. And so it was 24 little towns around Granada. And so we, would, we had a goal to go out and prayer walk for three months every one of those towns, looking for people of peace, being available for the Holy Spirit to just show up and give us some clues, tell us where to go and what to do. And God can do so much with just availability alone. I just want to testify that, just being available. So we would go out, and in one of these towns, it was called, um, it was in the mountains, it was called Guavejar Sierra. Can everybody repeat that? No, I'm just kidding, you don't have to do it. That was pretty good, actually. Guavejar Sierra, and in Guavejar Sierra, and in every little pueblo, um, there is a Catholic church. And so... I rarely get to see it when it's open because the Catholic Mass is 30 minutes and it can be at any time of the day, any day of the week. But it just so happened that this one was there, open while we were there. And I felt the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was Hannah and I and we were pushing Savvy Joy in the stroller on, on the, the streets there. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, hey, I want you to go meet the priest. And I didn't know really what to think about it. And I, I said, okay, you know, so we walked into the church and we met the priest and was the youngest, he was, he was my age. And um, just started to have a conversation with him. 
He was on the way out the door, though. The service had just ended. I'd missed it. I was late for church, and he had to go do another service. And so I just thought about him all week long, and I was just praying for him all week long, and I just I felt like I needed to go back. And so the next week, I showed up early for church, and I was there on time, and I sat through the Mass, and I walked to the back afterwards, um, to meet him, and he was so excited to see me. He said, hey, man, I didn't know you were gonna come back. I said, man, I have been praying for you, and I don't know why, but the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to come and, and talk to you and know you. And he's like, wow, okay, like, um, well, tell me why, you know, why you're in Spain. And I began to tell him a little bit of our story, um, that we were missionaries. He said, well, I'm a missionary, you know, and we began to find all these common factors in our lives and uh, he found out very soon that I was a Protestant missionary. And he said, he said, you know what, man? I know why you're here. And I said, you do? Please tell me. He said, he said, you know, just last week I was talking with this guy and he's got this vision for bringing, uniting the churches together to, to, to flood this city with the presence of God, to, to reach the youth with the city of God, this, with, this, with God. And I said, I said, that's amazing, man. That's our vision too. And he said, I said, what's the guy's name? He told me the guy's name. I said, I know that guy. This is a city of a million people, and we're in a mountain town. I said, I know that guy. I just met him last week, too. And so then we both got the Holy Spirit chills, and, um, and he, was like, he was like, I went home, and I prayed. I didn't know what, how to feel about it, but I went home, and I prayed, God, if this is of you, would you bring me a Protestant that I can talk to, and here you are. And I said, man, that is amazing. So every week, this became a normal thing. I would go back and I would talk with the priest. And we would discuss the Bible. He would say things like, man, give me something good from the Bible. I put out to these people all week, just give me something good. What do you have? What you've been hearing from God? And we would sit and we would talk about it every week. Well, this kind of became a point of tension within our team because people didn't really know what to think about it. It was kind of un... It was uneven ground, you know, in a lot of ways. But I knew what the Spirit had told me. And, I, and every time we would get together, I could feel His presence. And I didn't know what to do. And um, so I went into a time of fasting and prayer. And I was desperate for, because it was, it was really causing problems. And I went into a time of fasting and prayer. And I wasn't very familiar with And it was really the, the first time I'd really given it my all. But I was on day three of the fast and I showed back up um, to the church and I walked back to talk with the priest afterwards and someone was helping him uh, take his robe off afterwards. And I said, hey man, what's going on? He said, hey, I don't know, man. For the last three days, the right side of my body has been paralyzed. And immediately I felt the Holy Spirit follow me and I knew why I had been fasting. I looked at him and I said, his name was Moses. I said, Moses, can I pray for you? He said, man, please. And I laid hands on him. And all of a sudden, he just started, he said, this can't be. This can't be. He started lifting his hands above his head. He said, I've read about this. I've heard about this. But I've never seen it before. You have something I don't have. I have to know more about this. That's one of my stones. That's one of my stones. And I have to look back and I have to tell that story because we moved back here in January and I'm just going to tell you, I had no idea how difficult it would be to reintegrate back into my home culture. It took me a year just to slow down to Spain pace. I mean, it is slow. I'm talking naps in the middle of the day, siesta. I'm really intent on bringing that back here to this culture. I think it, it is of the Lord. Um, 
But it, it has been really di a difficult season for us. We've walked, we're walking into a lot of unknowns and we're used to that. We're used to that. But since we've been back, we've been, you know, on the search for housing. Like it's been a really difficult season for us. And we've had, you know, a, a place to stay that's been gifted to us for a few months. And it's, it's coming at the end of that time. And we didn't know what to do. We tried to buy a house. Everything fell through. And there was a line in that song that really, the second song that really stood out to me that said, um, it's hard to believe when options are few. And I think that that is on purpose. Like the, the, the more those options start to dwindle away, the more that security that you have starts to kind of fall away, the more desperate you become. And that desperate going into, that desperation going into faith is the hard thing to do. And so I just want to tell this, this second story really quick, but it, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Wesley Gardens Retreat Center. It's this, it's this beautiful place on the Moon River off of um, the Whitfield Avenue exit from the Truman. And it's where Hannah and I are going to be partnering with them to do spiritual retreats and spiritual formation workshops and all this cool stuff. But they... I've stayed out there a few times and it's, it's just quiet. It's like you're in another world. And I'd wake up before the sun comes up and I go out on the dock on the river. And as the sun's rising, you'll hear him before you see him. You hear this beautiful whistling carrying across the water. And out of the sunrise, you'll see the silhouette of, of a man whistling, tossing out crab traps. And uh, I, I remember being in a really difficult place and hearing that whistling and God just speaking to me and telling me everything's gonna be okay. But so I began to build up stories about this man in, in my mind, you know, kind of like, who, who is this guy? Like, he's probably like, you know, just, just immortalizing him in my mind about who he is. And uh, I, I told my friend about him who works on the property and he said, he said, yeah, I've heard him too. I haven't, I haven't met him before. Well, through this time of, we've been praying and fasting alongside you guys and, you know, two for, for a home. And just last Friday, I mean, I just can't overemphasize how difficult of a season this has been. Like, I would not be able to preach this if this wouldn't have just happened, but it, we have been in a season of waiting and hoping and desperation and not knowing and faith running dry. Like, when's this going to happen? Because we've seen these stories happen before. I moved back in January waiting on this story to happen because I've seen the stories happen in the past. I've stacked stones in the past. And so I'm looking for stones to stack in the future. I know they're there, but I can't, I couldn't see it. And so last Friday, I got a call from my friend. He said, hey, I met the whistling crab man. He pulled up on his boat on my dock. He wouldn't, he just turned the motor off. So he didn't anchor nothing. We just talked long enough for while he was drifting away, you know, until he got too far. <laughs> And, uh, but say, come to find out, like, he's this, he owns like 50 houses in Savannah. And when he goes out in the morning, he's, he is crabbing and his catch goes to the last remaining African-American family of the Pinpoint National Heritage Museum out there for them to sell, to give away, uh, to sell for their livelihood. So literally he is like a millionaire philanthropist, which was kind of like close to what I had in my mind anyway. But... <laughs> But so he said, hey, he, he said that he usually has a waiting list of like 100 people, but I told him your guys' a story. And he said, just give him a call today whenever, whenever you can. And I said, man, why are we still talking? What's his number? <laughs> and so I called the guy. We walked out. We, we went out there. We met him. The house is right near the retreat center where we're going to be ministering to other folks. It's right on his property. 
It's perfect for our family. It's everything we want. But more than that, those, those people are the kind of people that you want to raise you. Like just to know that we're gonna be able to be in community with them. And now we have a home and God has provided for us. And, but there were so many steps along that journey that like we were about to lease an apartment and we were about to do this thing. It was like, man, I can do this on my own. Like I don't need the Lord to show up in an amazing way that's gonna help me stack a stone to do this. I've been waiting on that story. And so, This, this is part of our transformation into the image of Christ. And what I love about this church is this is a kingdom church. I didn't know this for years. Like I grew up in the church and I didn't know that the kingdom of God is available right now. I, did, I didn't know. I didn't know that the presence of Jesus is available right now. That we can sit down and listen to him. And there are practices that have held the church together for thousands of years that allow us to come into that presence. Colossians 3 says that Christ is all and in all. He's everywhere all the time. When I began to, um, when I began to discover some of these practices, it was difficult for me because some of them were slow. Some of them were quiet. Some of them went against all the distractions I wanted to pull into my life to make me feel better about my situation. And one of them um, was silence and solitude. And so I would get up every morning and I would sit and I would just try to be quiet. And how many know, like, you can have all the external stuff quiet and the inside just be chaos. Man, that's training. That's training to sit there because what I figured out was to actually be quiet is an act of surrender. That I'm not actually trying to figure out my day and figure out every single piece and solutionize and problem solve everything that's coming at me in the day. And I said, God, for the next 20 minutes, you, I'm just gonna pretend that you are God. I'm just gonna let you be God and, and rest in your presence and gaze at your beauty my favorite definition of contemplation is the long loving gaze at the real. A long loving gaze of God's gaze back at you. Have you ever sat and just looked at God looking back at you? I promise you it will change the way you see yourself. Because he's not, he is never not speaking our belovedness over us. He is never not speaking our belovedness over us. And if we can't hear it, it's not because he's not speaking it. Partnership and prayer, prayer as partnership. I'm just gonna give you the, the three things that I, I have discovered to be true about how to come into this place of just being in God's presence. The first is just to be aware, <laughs> become aware. And this is so much more difficult than it seems. I, I've heard of just crazy things of people like, I don't know if you guys know who Bob Goff is. He cuts the left pocket out of his pants so that when he, every time he puts something in his pocket, it drops down to his ankle and he remembers God's presence. Like, that's radical, right? Like, <laughs> I, uh, I carry around this smooth stone that I found on the beach in Spain. And it, just to remind me, like this, I don't need a sermon. This holds so many memories for me of what God has done in the past and what, that, his aware, that his presence is, is available to me right now. Become aware. 
okay? Number two, abandon self-preservation and the control of outcomes. Abandon self-preservation and the control of outcomes. This is crazy hard. This is crazy hard, but listen, we spend so much energy trying to control situations, trying to make sure that we're taken care of, trying to make sure everything is gonna go okay and I'm gonna be comfortable and everything's gonna be all right and I have enough to, to pay the bills at the end of the month. It costs so much energy, but what if God really was on our side? Like, what if he really had us taken care of? What if we were really in his hands? What if that was true? Then the third point, you could become, you could take all that energy and become a conduit of radical love to the person in front of you. Become aware of God's presence, abandon self-preservation and outcomes, and become a conduit. Oh, my mic died. Oh, there we go, we're back. Okay, so I'm gonna walk through that real quick. This is what we refer to as spiritual formation. Okay, we're all being formed every single day. You don't have a choice. We're all being formed every day by the things that we listen to, by the people that we put ourselves around, by the world. Spiritual formation, my favorite definition of it, is the process of being transformed into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And that last part is the most important part because all of that does not matter if you are not part of God's great plan for the restoration of all things. If you are not actively engaged in using your, tra your transformed self to be loved to somebody else. Dallas Willard says that the best thing that we can offer anyone is our transformed self. The best thing that you can offer anyone is your time spent being with Jesus because that's actually what changes us. I love to learn about Jesus. I love to study the ancient texts. I love to deep, deep, deep dive into all of this stuff. But I cannot let any of those spiritual practices replace being with Jesus. Or I can't, there, there's a way that allow you to be with Jesus. And that's just the part I wanna talk about for a minute, okay? Through Jesus, God has declared you righteous and worthy of his presence. Is that amazing? When God sees you, all he sees is Jesus in you. Is that wild? So through Jesus, God has declared you righteous and worthy of his presence. And so through being present to God, you declare him righteous and worthy of your presence. So anything can be a spiritual practice, a spiritual practice that allows us to come into this presence to partner with God. But if we look back through thousands of years of Christendom and look at the, our brothers and sisters in the faith who have come before us, there's kind of four categories that they fall into. It's some type of engagement with prayer, some kind of engagement with scripture, some type of engagement with community, and some type of engagement with rest. Okay, and so what, whatever, there's, so, there's thousands, there's unlimited creative options that fall into those categories, but the, part, the point is that they have to be intentional. If your spiritual practices are altos and they are not actually allowing you to experience your belovedness and experience Christ and experience his presence, stop doing it. I give you permission right now, just stop doing it. it he doesn't care about your checklists. He doesn't care how many times, like your, your reading streak. It doesn't matter. It, 
I'm gonna give you a few, a few options here. Silence and solitude, centering prayer, the practice of beholding, walking slow enough in the woods or down the street to look at something, actually be held by it because Christ is all and in all. Visio Divina, which that's just a long loving look at something that's beautiful, usually through nature or art. Lectio Divina, which is the spiritual reading of scripture, not trying to get through the whole Bible in a day or trying to find out the context of it. There's place for that. But Lectio Divina is actually letting the scriptures read you, reading a small passage four or five times and seeing, using the imagination that God has given you to let him speak through that word. Fasting, feasting, celebration, Sabbath, service, engaging the arts, writing poetry, painting, graphic design, dream boards, dance, a walk in nature, kayaking, browsing a used bookstore, stargazing, whatever you can engage intentionally that facilitates space for you to be completely present to God and experience the presence of a creator speaking love over you. And the more time you spend there, the more you become like him. The more you become like him, the more you will naturally begin to do what he would do if he were you. Now, we all know that we're moving way too fast in this culture. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you to slow down. You already know that's what's needed, and if you could, you would. It's gonna require a subculture, a kingdom culture to engage life at a soul pace. You can't do it alone. But in the meantime, instead of trying to engage that pace directly, just engage the presence. Just become present in whatever it is that you're doing. Just become present and notice God in it. Get you a stone. Cut the pocket out of your pants. (laughs) But listen, this is the starting place, not the finish line. We become present so that we can experience love. So that we can become radical love to the ones around us. You don't get to just mentally say, I'm going to be love. That's not transformation. Transformation happens in the presence of Jesus. And his presence is available. I sat every day for 20 minutes for three months just trying to quiet my mind. And one day after about three months, in my mind I went to this place it's where Tennessee, Georgia, and North Carolina all come together in a triangle. It's called Helen, Georgia. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. That's right. And so I, I drive, you drive up to the top of this mountain, and there's a two-mile hike down to the valley by this, um, by this creek. And it's my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world. And in my mind, in Spain, that's where I became. And there was Jesus sitting right in front of me. And I was completely present to him. And he had all the time in the world. And I just began to pepper him with questions. I was like, this is my only shot. I got to get them all answered right now. <laughs> and after I went through all my questions, the more I went through these questions, the more I realized that those questions weren't even important. Like this moment right now is what, I, what I'm after. And he just began to ask me like, is there anything else? And he would begin to answer in, in, in his wisdom. I would feel that wisdom rise up in me. And I knew like Jesus was speaking into my life right there with me. And then I began to find out that that's actually what he wants every moment of every day. That, that, that what I had accessed in that moment through that practice, through that intentionality, through that surrender was actually available every moment of every day. 
I want to show you the guys. This is one of my favorite books, and it's tiny. It's called Letters by a Modern Mystic by Frank Labock. And you mentioned Brother Lawrence in the um, first sermon, and I love him, um, The Practice of the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence. This book is uh, from a guy, Frank Labock, to, he was a missionary to the Philippines in the 1940s, and these, these are letters that he wrote to his daddy um, about his attempts to practice being in the presence of God every moment of every day. And it is beautiful not because it's not coming from a master. It's coming from somebody who actually wrote down trying to do it. And you get to see, and it's beautiful. And it's teeny tiny. It's $5 on Amazon, and it fits in the back pocket of skinny jeans. So, like, there's no reason that you shouldn't buy this book. I'm just going to read a few. I'm just going to read a few, few of these quotes. This is just so good. Letters by a Modern Mystic, Frank Labock. He says, can I bring God back in my mind flow every few seconds so that God shall always be in my mind as an after image, shall always be one of the elements in every concept and precept? I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering this question. All day I see souls dead to God looking, look sadly out of hungry eyes. I want them to know my discovery, that any minute can be paradise, that any place can be heaven, that any man can have God, that every man does have God the moment he speaks to God or listens for him. This concentration upon God is strenuous, but everything else has ceased to be so. Things which I did with a strain before, I do easily and with no effort whatsoever. I no longer feel in a hurry about anything. That's the testimony of somebody who's been in God's presence, and it's good to read testimony. It's good to testify. All right. Have you guys read Narnia? Have you seen the movie? All right, I'm going to quote it real quick. I didn't know if I was going to get here, but I'm going to do it. All right. One of my favorite scenes is right at the end, or it's the climax of the movie, when they have tortured Aslan, the Christ figure, the lion, and they have murdered him. And he's laying dead on the stone tablet where he was killed. And the girls, it says... And at that moment, they heard from behind them a loud noise, a great cracking, a deafening noise as if a giant had broken a giant's plate. The stone table was broken into two pieces by a great crack that ran down it from end to end, and there was no Aslan. Who's done it? cried Susan. What does it mean? Is it more magic? Yes, said a great voice from behind their backs. It's more magic. They looked around. They're, sh they're shining in the sunrise, larger than they had seen him before. Shaking his mane, for it had apparently grown again, stood Aslan himself. Oh, Aslan, cried both the children, staring up at him, almost as much frightened as they were glad. But what does it all mean, asked Susan, when they were somewhat calmer. It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there's a magic deeper still which she did not know. Her knowledge goes back only to the dawn of time, but if she could have looked a little further back into the stillness, 
and the darkness before time dawned, she would have read there a different incantation. She would have known that when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. This is a beautiful allegory. And what I, what I love about C.S. Lewis is he believes that the fabric of the universe is built on self-giving love. That our God created out of love and how we come into reality with as it actually is, is to become love. And to become love, we have to get inside the presence of love. Guys, this, this is the work. This is the transformation of ourselves into the image of Christ for the sake of others. And it can't be done alone. None of, even Sabbath, like you think about how hard Sabbath is because it's not, it, wasn't a, it wasn't an individual practice. It never was. It was a communal practice where you had friends and family coming around you, cheering you on, anticipating that this was how we were supposed to live, coming into the presence of God together. So I want to read, um, I want to practice, I want to I do a, a Lectio Divina practice with you guys here together around Psalm 27. And we're going to just read this, I'm going to read this scripture slowly. I'm going to read it a few times. The first time I read it, I just want you to notice the words. And if you have something to write with or a phone, just, just this is God speaking to you through his word. Just on this first go around, I want you to write down any word or phrase that stands out to you, okay? This is Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of what shall I be afraid? One thing I have asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. I'm gonna read it a second time and I want you to think about, I want you to engage your imagination. Let the Lord take your mind and, and put the images in your mind and, and just write those down what those are because he's speaking through his word. What do you see Close your eyes. What do you, I'll just read this over you. What do you see in your mind whenever the word of God is read over you? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of what shall I be afraid? One thing I have asked of the Lord that will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To inquire in his temple. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I'm coming.
I'm going to read it a third time. And this time I want you to think about a response to God in prayer. What comes out of you back to God? What comes out of you back to God as you hear these words? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. What shall I be afraid? One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. All right, I'm gonna read it one more time, sorry. And I don't want you to think about anything. I want you to rest underneath the words of scripture. Actually, worship team, could I have you guys come up as I read this last time? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of what shall I be afraid? One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Jesus, thank you for honoring us with your presence. I can't believe it's always available. I can't believe that we have access to the throne room of your Father at any time, at any moment, that any place can become the kingdom of God where we step. We receive the grace that you have made available. We receive the blood that you've poured out on us calling us sons and daughters of the living God. Praise be to Yahweh. The world is swirling around us, God, and we just ask for your help. We wanna partner with you in the transformation of who we are into the image of your son. We wanna be the image bearers of your son in this city. Show us in your creativity and your wonder and your glory the way that you authentically speak to us. Bring us into community with one another here in this place that we could share in your glory. Build us up as living stones in the temple of a living God. 
we worship you in this place. There is none like you, Yahweh. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information about The Dwelling, visit thedwellingchurch.org.